Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Now I hope that each and every one of you is safe at home, or at the very least, practicing some sort of social distancing. But we're not here to talk about all of that. We are here to hear some stories. Some scary stories. So I'll waste no time in queuing up the first call. To kick things off, we begin in the state of Iowa. The following was submitted to me anonymously. Hi, Monsters Among Us. I wanted to tell you about what happened to me last summer, the summer of 2018. I'm currently working my second summer at the summer camp that I grew up going to. And last summer I had kind of a creepy experience when I was on ranch camp. We had a cabin of about eight girls and we were staying in the barn, in one of the cabins in the barn, which is a good like 10 minute walk from main camp. And it was like night two, we had sat everybody down. We had asked them, like, how'd you sleep? We were doing night devos, that kind of thing. And one of the girls, like, they started talking about, like, the dreams that they had had that night. And one of the girls goes, yeah, you know, I had this really weird dream. I dreamt that, like, this super tall guy walked into our bathroom. And we were all like, yeah, no, that's kind of weird. And one of the other girls goes, wait, you saw that too? And just instant chills down everybody's spines. And a third girl speaks up and goes, yeah, I thought I dreamed that. And so we started asking them about it, and they're like, they were able to describe him in pretty good detail. They said that um, he was much taller than any of us. It couldn't have been my co-cabin leader or myself, because both of us are kind of short, and the tallest camper in our cabin that week was maybe only a couple inches taller than, um, than we were. And they said that this man's head came like above the top of the, the top bunk bed, which is maybe six feet, maybe six and a half feet tall. And they, uh, they said that he like sauntered into the bathroom and did not come out. I guess he had really dark black hair and he was wearing a brown long sleeved shirt. And um, we, were, we were just so freaked out. I was talking to my cabin leader, like who could this possibly be? What's going on? And we, like, immediately contacted the, the camp executives and were asking, like, could, could somebody have gotten in? What's going on? We asked every male cabin leader, like, every male staff member if 
they, for some reason, had been in our cabin that night, if they had maybe walked by the window and the girls dreamt that they were in the cabin and no one was near the barn at that point. So we were terrified. Like, we checked all of the the camp security footage. There was nobody matching that description. Not even, there wasn't, there wasn't even a single male staff member who had a brown long sleeve shirt. Like, nobody could possibly have matched that description. And so we're like a, we're a Bible camp. So we believe pretty strongly in like spiritual warfare. So yeah, we were pretty terrified from that night on. And the barn doesn't have like locks on it. We didn't really know what to do from then on. We just prayed really hard and didn't see anything for the rest of the week. But um, yeah, that was my experience last summer. And I gotta be honest, I've been like keeping my eyes open for that kind of thing now that I'm back here this summer. But yeah. Thank you, caller. That is a scary situation, especially with other people's kids involved. That is also a detail I think is important to point out. It seems that the children stuck with their story, even after the adults in charge began to grow concerned. So does their willingness to stick with the story mean they're telling the truth? And that leads me to my next obvious question. Was this man real or a specter of some sort? Was this man a ghost or something more terrifying? But as creepy as this experience seems to be, it could have gone much, much worse. Since the late 1920s, Camp Scott in northeastern Oklahoma was a retreat for Girl Scouts to play, learn, and grow in the great outdoors. But on the night of June 13, 1977, it was a scene of a grisly murder that left three girls dead and a community terrified. The victims, 8-year-old Lori Farmer, 9-year-old Michelle Gousset, and 10-year-old Doris Milner were killed in their sleep as their friends and camp counselors slept just a few feet away. They had arrived just the day before they were killed and were getting ready for a two-week trip at the camp with their friends. A counselor found all three bodies scattered along a trail leading to the camp showers wrapped in their sleeping bags. The rest of the girls were sent home without being told much, but learned of the murders when they reunited with their parents who were praying their daughters were not killed. But a dark mark started growing at the camp two months prior to the killings. During a training session for camp counselors, a tent was ransacked. Left behind was a handwritten note with a prophetic message warning three campers would be murdered. That note was dismissed as a prank and thrown in the trash. Other events leading up to the girls' arrival came to light during the investigation, and Lori Farmer's mother said if she knew what was going on, she would never let her daughter go. If I had known a tent had been slashed the night before Lori was to get on the bus to go, I would have never let her go. But after the bodies of the three young girls were found the morning after they were beaten, strangled, and sexually assaulted, that note was the only clue to the killer. Now that clip comes courtesy of One American News Network. I know that is a dark and depressing story, but I couldn't help but notice the similarities to both stories' setups. So thank you again, caller, for sharing that terrifying experience. Alright, I'll admit, that was a lot to take in. So let's step back and reset with something a little less panic-inducing. Well, it just so happens that April, from the state of Alabama, has a story that I think will work perfectly. Hi, I'm calling in today about astral projection. My name is April, and I'm from Alabama. My story took place about 22 years ago, when I was 15 years old. I came across your podcast, 
and I found the story about astral projection. It's not very common on your show, but I was kind of toying around with the idea of calling in. So I finally got up the courage to do so. So here's the story. Back when I was 15, I was in summer school, actually. I failed geometry, so I had to attend summer school. And that summer, my friend, who had her driver's license already, I was 15, she was 16. She was supposed to pick me up from my house that morning to go to summer school. So that morning, I woke up and I kind of was shaken because I had had this, what I thought was crazy dream, right? So the dream was that I had kind of like visualized myself um, in my dream where I was in a parking lot and I was above a car and it was a yellow Volkswagen Beetle. And, you know, I was kind of like, I would say like an aerial view of the, of the car and I could see everything that was happening below me. And it was nighttime in my, in my dream, what I thought was a dream. And so I could see the car, I could see the door opening and I could see inside a person like but I was like in the eyes of the person at this time it's kind of foggy this memory this actual part of the memory but you know long story short what ended up happening was I'm seeing what's going on in my dream that the speakers in the back of this car are being cut like I can see wires being cut and speakers being taken out so you know, the car is being broken into in my dream, right? So I'm like, wow, that's really a weird dream. And so my friend calls me and she's late. She's late picking me up. And she calls me and she's like, April, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to be late. I'm so pissed off. My car has gotten broken into. They have stolen my stereo system and my speakers out of my car. And this is like her first car. And and back in the late 90s, it was like really cool to have like a great sound system. And she paid a lot of money for these speakers. And she said, you know, someone broke in and stole this stuff. And I like literally got chills all over my body. Like I get chills thinking about this right now. Um, But she said that to me and I said, Ashley, I said, I dreamt about this happening. And she was like, what? And I was like, yes, I was there. But it was like I was above, like, watching all of this happen. And, you know, and all I can think of, the only explanation that I can come up with was that, like, you know, when I was asleep, my soul or whatever being entity that lives inside of me left my body, traveled to where her car was, and was there for this thing to happen because there's really no other explanation for it. Um, and that that moment was kind of like a pivotal moment for me um, where I was like certain that there like really is something beyond this life, you know. Um, we do have a soul. Like I really truly believe that. So that's my story. I would really love to hear other astral projection stories if there are any people who could call in and share more. So I hope you enjoy the story and 
Thanks for the podcast. I really enjoy listening to it on my 45-minute commute to work. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, April. Given today's current situation, I feel like astral travel is about the only travel any of us are going to be doing anytime soon. Now, astral travel is essentially a person's ability to separate psyche from body. Essentially, the sleeping body stays put, but the mind's eye is free to wander. Now, if I'm honest, I don't really see much of a difference between astral travel, out-of-body experience, or remote viewing. All three of them seem to lead to the same place. So maybe ask yourself that, April. Which of those abilities, if any, are most like your experience? And thank you again for taking the time to share that experience. Now before we move on to our next call, I can finally announce that there are new shirts and totes in the shop. Visit monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop and see the brand new red and mauve t-shirt designs by listener and talented artist Greg Johnson. And while you're at it, be sure to add on a tote. These beauties feature a design by listener and gifted designer Jamie Murray. I expect these items to go quickly, so head over to the website today. Our next devilishly delectable description was delivered by Drew here in the state of California. How's it going, man? This is Drew from Northern California. I found your podcast uh, a couple of months ago. Been a relatively regular listener. I listen uh, on my on my drives uh, back from work and while I'm working. Anyway, I appreciate the podcast. Quick story for you. It's not mine. It's actually a buddy of mine who I uh, work with. Uh, we're electricians, like I said, up here in uh, Northern California. And if you know anything about the electrical industry... You know, it's it's pretty much a, a no BS uh, work environment. Uh, you got you got guys from all different kinds of uh, walks of life, but the dudes that last in the industry are pretty uh, pretty straightforward, straight shooter. You know, just to the point guys. And uh, one of my one of my coworkers, buddy of mine, as we were all getting ready in the morning time to go out to our various jobs, uh, well, just talking about things that we've seen, stories, just, you know, shooting shooting the breeze. And somehow, I think we were talking about a TV show or a couple of different TV shows we'd watched. And uh, those those led to real stories. And uh, this dude of mine, he, uh, he starts telling his story. And he says, this happened a handful of years ago. But he says that uh, he was in his house, standing in the middle of a hallway in his house. And he lives up kind of in the, in the foothills, kind of in no man's land standing up in the middle of the hallway a handful of years ago. All of a sudden, he looks over, and he sees a deer. He sees this deer and then realizes, you know, it's, I, I didn't see it. I'm just relaying what he said, realizes that on this deer is a Native American. He looks the Native American in the eye, so to speak, and all of a sudden, the deer just rushes him with the Native American on it holding the horns. And so as this deer is coming at him, he screams and he just ducks for cover. And the thing just disappeared as he screamed and ducked for cover, whether it went over him or, you know, however you want to put it, it was gone. And, you know, to me, that's a pretty, pretty far out stretch. I don't know that I would believe it, but 
sitting next to this guy in the morning as he's as he's telling uh, a couple of us the story. I see the goosebumps on his skin begin to form. I kid you not, his skin looked like it was dead chicken skin. <laughs> it's just covered in goosebumps, and just watching watching his body language, watching the goosebumps form up. You know, he at least believes what he's saying. And again, this dude's a straight shooter, kind of a roughneck cat. Not a lot of BS to what he's telling you on a regular basis. You know, I've, I've not known him to tell stories, and I've, I've known him for a good long while. Kind of a trip. Uh, thought maybe you could use that one. Uh, once again, really enjoy the podcast. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. Thank you. Thanks, Drew. That is a new one on me. I can't say I've ever heard of anything similar to this. Now, as I do with almost every call, I did a few minutes worth of internet research in hopes of jarring a story loose that even remotely resembled Drew's, but I had no luck. So I thought maybe this was some sort of regional thing, or at the very least, cultural. So if you have any information on Drew's experience, or any paranormal encounter for that matter, why don't you give the hotline a call at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Thanks again, Drew, for sharing that encounter. Alright, well I have stacks of stories to share, each twice as spooky as the one before. So, to kick this stint off, we begin with what should be a familiar voice. The following was sent in from the UK. This is Paul's ghostly experience. Hi Derek, it's Paul from Mysteries and Monsters. So I just thought I'd finally uh, take the plunge and, and give you a call, seeing as Addy keeps telling me I've got to ring in. Um, so <laughs> here's my story. So it, it was really the, the lady that rang up from Ohio with the mysterious Mamas and Papas CD situation. And it reminded me of something that happened uh, back in 1996, I was living in a shared house in Sheffield with a couple of really good friends of mine. And on an evening, we would often sort of chill out. We'd watch a bit of TV, a bit of football, and, or, or listen to some music. And this particular evening, we'd been listening to an album uh, on a CD. And it got to about 10 o'clock, and we turned the music off, and we were, I think we were playing some PlayStation back in the day. So we were playing about between us, the three of us. Um, and we'd been at it about 45 minutes. And then all of a sudden, the CD player just started playing. Really came out of nowhere. Nobody was near it. It was over in the corner, and it just decided to kick off, which didn't seem so strange at first until obviously went over and realised it had started on the 10th track of that particular album. Now, we hadn't paused it. We'd actually turned the machine off it was no power nothing was happening at all and like i say nobody was anywhere near it we were, not all of us were focused on the tv nobody could come in door was locked there was no way someone could have sneaked in and, and done it so we had a look at it and thought well that's a bit peculiar but it was it was the key fact that it had, had, had started on track number 10 which we really threw it so we tried to replicate it turn the machine off turned it back on started on track one paused it turned it off, turned it back on, started on track one. Whatever we did, we could not get it to replicate starting at track 10 whatsoever. Didn't matter 
if we took the CD out, put it back in, paused it, stopped it, turned it off, turned it on, even pausing the track on track 10 and then turning the machine off, turning it back on, would automatically start the CD again on the first track. And it was the beginning from that point onwards in the house. We really started to have some strange things going on. I was pushed down the stairs. One of my housemates was pushed down the stairs. We had things moving upstairs and downstairs. So um, there was one occasion where I left the keys downstairs on the front table. All the house was locked up. Went to the bathroom, came downstairs. Keys were gone. Thinking, right, okay, that's a bit odd. Went back upstairs and they were on the top of the stairs on the floor, on the carpet. And the longer we stayed in the house, the more malicious things started to get. So uh, money would disappear from wallets. And when you're living together and things like that, it's very easy to, to sort of think that someone's stealing or something like that was going on. But none of that was occurring at all because things would disappear when you were on your own. There would be nobody else in. We all worked different shifts at different times or we'd all be out together. So it was really, really odd. And overall, it was just a very strange solution. And obviously, with the young lady's call from the other week from Ohio, I just thought I'd mention one of my new notable spooky experiences. So uh, I hope that's all right for you and the rest of the mousters out there. Keep up the great work. Absolutely love the show. Love the Facebook pages and everything. All power to you all, guys. Take care. And we'll speak again sometime with probably another one of my spooky stories. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Paul. Coincidentally, Paul happens to host a charming podcast in which he interviews some of the biggest names in the paranormal realm. And although I don't fit into that category, Paul was still nice enough to ask me to come on and chat. So if you're home alone and bored, check out the Mysteries and Monsters link in tonight's show notes. My episode drops on April 6th. Okay, Paul. So I used most of your discussion time plugging your show, but I did want to ask if the unit was plugged in when it suddenly came to life. I assume that it was, otherwise I feel like that'd be something you would be sure to mention, but I wanted to at least verify that. And also I wanted to applaud your debunking attempts. It's nice to see a level-headed reaction to a strange event. Thank you again, Paul, for sharing. And speaking of being stuck at home bored, if you haven't noticed, I've been putting a lot of content out lately. A lot of it, uh, live videos on Facebook. Well, one of the newest offerings is a partnership with Into the Fray's Shannon Legrell. Each Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, Shannon, myself, and four other podcast hosts answer your questions live, real-time, on Facebook. We're calling it The Paranormal Podcast Ellipse. And before you say it, I've already heard people say they can't get it because they're not on Facebook. Well, I have some great news. You don't have to be a Facebook user to watch it. Simply click the link and it should still work. So join us this Sunday when we will be talking Bigfoot and the Fay Folk with Cam and Kyle from Expanded Perspectives, Bryce Johnson from Bigfoot Collectors Club, and, of course, Mr. David Flora from Blurry Photos. Oh, and I should say that we did one of these last week as well, talking ghost lights and Fresno nightcrawlers. You can still watch that video. Just check out social media or tonight's show notes for the links. So I hear that the skies over places like Los Angeles have remained clear for nearly three weeks now due to the reduced traffic as a result of our shelter-in-place order. So maybe now would be a good time 
to fix your gaze skyward. Perhaps like Dan in Iowa, you too will see something you can't quite explain. Hi, my name is Dan. I am calling from a small town in eastern Iowa called Anamosa, and I just wanted to tell you uh, about something that I saw a couple years ago. I can't remember the exact date or year. I know that it was summer not too long ago, maybe three years ago. And I was driving um, later at night. It was, I'd say, 7 or 8 p.m. on Highway 151 between Anamosa and Cedar Rapids. Uh, now, that it was a very clear night. Uh, it wasn't completely dark, but it was definitely darkening. So there are no clouds in the sky. And that stretch of highway, it's super open. So you can see like the entire sky, horizon to horizon. But anyway, I was driving, and uh, I noticed a strange light in the sky. And obviously, there's an airport near Cedar Rapids. So I'm like, oh, it's just a plane. But the, thing is, the thing is, it was moving way too fast to be a plane. Uh, it was like zipping across the entire sky, and it was changing colors. And I'm like, oh, it's... At first, I thought it was like a drone, or I said a plane. But the thing is, it was, um, as I said, moving way too fast. Like, it started at one end of the horizon, and I watched it move across the entire skyline uh, really fast. And then I was like, maybe it's a shooting star or something. But the thing is, it was it, I could distinctly see it changing colors, like from purple to blue to red to green. And then it wasn't just moving in a straight line like a plane would move. But then I saw it like make a clear arch, like a loop, and then fly back the other way. And uh, I did that for a couple of minutes. I was actually able to watch it for several minutes. And unfortunately, I couldn't get a video or a picture because I was driving at the time. And I didn't want to be on my phone while I was driving. Uh, but eventually, I just saw it dip behind a tree line and it never came back up. Now, I'm not exactly what you'd call a conspiracy theory enthusiast or a skeptic. I'm not like a firm believer in aliens or UFOs or cryptids, but I'm definitely open to the possibility of them. Uh, I just know that what I saw, I try to logically explain it in my head, like plane, drone, something. But just the way that it was moving and the speed at which it was traveling to be able to move across the entire open skyline like that, that quickly, uh, I haven't been able to think of an explanation. I know there probably is one. Maybe you can figure it out. But yeah, I decided to call it in because I still think about it to this day. I don't show it with too many people just because I don't want people thinking I'm crazy. But I just know that I saw something that night that I know it was a UFO because it was flying. It was an object and I couldn't identify it. But yeah, I just wanted to let you know. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Thanks, Dan. Given the behavior that Dan described, I don't believe this to be a drone, a satellite, or even a commercial aircraft that I'm aware of. Something I should have mentioned a while ago that might apply here. There are a pair of apps that could help in eliminating any misidentified UFOs. The first one is called Skyview, and it allows your phone to highlight celestial objects, labeling them, telling you exactly what they are, real time. The app can even identify satellites in the space station. And the other one is called Plane Finder. That one does the same thing but identifies planes in your airspace. There are free versions of both of these apps. And to be honest, there's probably better options out there. But these will at least get your foot in the door. 
So now the next time you see something in the sky you can't quite explain, with a few swipes of your phone, you can at least rule out a few of the logical explanations. Now just a disclaimer, that was not a paid endorsement. Just some apps that I think might help. So thank you again, Dan, for sharing your encounter. Oh, real quick before I move on, I'm trying one last time to reach out to Lydia near Zanesville, Ohio, and Mac from Mississippi, the Mac that broke his back. I really want to share both of your calls, but the audio is terrible on each, and both of them cut off halfway. So please, if you can, resubmit today. Now, our Patreon subscribers found out the hard way that I bent a few rules in the latest episode of Monsters Among Us Beyond. I actually shared what I could of Mac in Mississippi's call, despite the fact that it was filled with static, and regardless that it cut the story short. It was that incredible. How is it that it's always these wild calls that come out low quality or just simply cut off halfway through? Maybe I'm just that lucky. Enough yammering. Play a story already. Well, how about this? Here is Michelle's entry from the state of New York. Hi, Derek. Happy New Year. This is Michelle calling from Queens, New York City. I was just listening to your most recent episode, and someone decided to share a creepy doll story. And it reminded me of a weird experience I had when I was about, like, 10 or 11, or maybe even younger. Back when I was a kid, I used to have American Girl dolls. I don't know if you can use that or not, but American Girl dolls, I don't even know if they're still popular, but when I was a kid, I used to have really bad night terrors and really bad anxiety and really bad dreams. And there was one night I had a dream that one of my American Girl dolls had come to life. So the next morning, I immediately tell my mom, like, I don't want these dolls anymore. I'm freaked out. And, you know, she just kind of brushes it off because it was just a dream. So I go back in my room and, and like, I don't even want to touch them. And I remember going to the dolls and I watched its head slowly turn towards me and make a sound. And I freaked out was not having it nope wasn't having it so and I think that night we were going out somewhere to like a family party and so my mom in order to ease me was like fine I'll take the dolls out of your room we'll put them in a bag whatever I'll leave them in my room okay great so we get home that night from the family party and my dog at the time was freaked out would not come out from underneath the dining room table Lights were on in my parents' bedroom and in the kitchen. It was just very strange. The next morning, my mother shows me the garbage bag with dolls in it. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm throwing them out. They're going to be gone. Don't worry about it. And at the time, my grandparents were still alive. So I'm hanging out with my grandmother downstairs, was in a two-family house. And I hear... It sounded like someone going through garbage, like lifting open garbage bags, tearing through stuff. And I immediately jumped up, told my grandmother, you know, and my mom had thrown out stalls. I refused to go look outside. So my grandmother did, and my grandmother was big into the X-Files and everything paranormal, and 
she just looked at me and was like, yeah, the garbage bags are ripped open. And I, okay, I was like, okay, this is great. <laughs> um, as an adult, though, my parents just moved from Queens out to Riverhead, Long Island. And I, I, I feel like I have no idea how real this actually was because I never saw the dolls ever again, even after they moved. So I don't know if my mom had lied and said she threw them away and kept them, and now I don't know where they are, or they actually crept out of a garbage bag. I, I have no idea. All I know is that it was a very freaky experience for me. I'm sure my night terrors and my anxiety and my overactive imagination as a kid had something to do with it, but hearing that doll story, I had to share. I did the podcast. Can't wait to hear more this year in 2020. Take care. Bye. Thank you, Michelle. Anytime that I hear about creepy dolls, one place immediately comes to mind. A place that would sure to give anyone with the fear of dolls or pediophobia a heart attack. A place called the Island of the Dolls. Located on the canals near Mexico City, this island is one of the world's creepiest destinations. In the 1950s, Julian Santana Barrera left his family and isolated himself on the island. Legend has it that after finding the body of a drowned girl, he hung her doll in a tree as a means of honoring her. Once it allegedly moved and made noises, his lifelong obsession of stringing up dolls in the trees began. In 2001, Barrera's body was discovered having drowned in the same spot as the girl. Nowadays, Barrera's family runs the island ferrying tourists to visit the countless dolls. According to local legend, the dolls have been known to whisper and move. Now that clip comes courtesy of Watch Mojo. Now I'll be honest, I'm not real sure what to make of this island. I mean, yeah, sure it looks spooky. It is covered in rotting dolls after all. But back to Michelle. I thought I should point out that someone could have seen the bag, somehow noticed what was inside. Maybe one of the doll's faces was pressed up to the plastic and a keen-eyed youngster noticed, wolverine the bag open and made off with her loot. Free American doll girls. But then I must ask myself, how do you explain the dog's strange behavior? And more importantly, how did the doll move on its own? Well, I'm sure it comes to no surprise to you guys I can't answer either of those questions. But I can say... Thank you, Michelle, for sharing the experience. Now, before we move on, I just wanted to mention that we're still accepting pledges in our Kickstarter campaign for our upcoming documentary, Shadows in the Desert, High Strangeness in the Borrego Triangle. The good news is we have hit our goal, but I'm not lying when I say that's not enough. We have a couple stretch goals in place. One releases a blooper reel, and the other a featurette, Featuring some of the desert treasures, lost gold and pirate ships, that kind of thing. So if you have the disposable income and you would like to support, head over to Kickstarter and search Shadows in the Desert today. Now, do you guys remember a season or two back when we talked about the strange white humanoids? I even created a bit of a contest to try to name these things, not realizing somebody had already done so. Well, Ethan in New York remembers. Something tells me he'll never forget.
Hey, Derek. This is Ethan from upstate New York. I love this podcast. The reason I even started listening to this kind of podcast is because when I was about uh, probably nine years old, I lived in a place called Steventown, New York. It's right on the border of uh, like Pittsfield, Massachusetts, at the you know around the Berkshires. And when I was younger, I had this experience with two of my friends who I don't even talk to anymore, so I can't even get in touch with them to find out if they remember it. But I was probably about nine or ten. It was summertime, and I was getting ready to sleep over at my friend's house, so we decided to run through this little path, you know, that was in the woods. It was only like ten feet deep of a path. You could even see his house from my house. That's how close it was. But to the left of it, it kind of got a little more woodsy. And we heard something from over there as we're getting ready to run over there. So we stopped at the corner of my house and out from the woods comes uh, what you guys call the, the pale crawler, the white crawler. It came out barreling, running out, almost like a way an ape would run, running on its feet, but using its hands as well. And it broke into a field about 10 foot from the wood line and stopped and stood straight up and turned and looked over at us, and it was probably a good seven or eight feet tall, extremely thin, completely white, no facial features, nothing. No eyes, no black voids or anything like that, just pure white. And uh, it looked at us for maybe 10 seconds and then turned around and disappeared into the woods. It's always been hard to talk about it because every time I try and tell somebody about it, they they look at you like you're crazy. Uh, The closest depiction of it that I can come up with is this uh, picture that you'll find on Google if you Google the, the rake, it looked like that, exactly, except it didn't have those, you know, facial features. But, uh, yeah, so that's my, that's my story. That's my encounter. Thanks. Thank you, Ethan. There they are again, these pale crawler things. If you recall, we heard several accounts of these things way back in Season 7. Many of those accounts stemming from places like Indiana, Kentucky and now New York. But unfortunately, that's about all we have to go on. That and a handful of blurry YouTube videos. But there is one blurry video that's been floating around that's really caught my attention. The video was taken back in 2017, somewhere in Northeast Ohio. A man named Rick Grebenek uploaded a video that seems to show some sort of tall, white, humanoid creature in his backyard. Now, from what I understand, Rick had claimed that the creature had trespassed into his yard for several nights in a row. Finally, Rick was able to prop up his iPad against the window to capture a nearly seven-minute-long video featuring the creature. What he caught was an odd-looking white humanoid that emerges from the tree line near the back of his property. The creature slowly and cautiously shuttles forward, awkwardly bent over the entire time. The kicker is that Rick filmed through the mesh of his window screen, so the camera really never gets a chance to focus. But luckily for us, Rick narrated as he filmed. Here is a segment of the audio from that video. What you're about to hear is Rick quickly setting up the iPad, then he frantically dials his friend on a landline. While they talk, the creature slowly makes its way into the yard. It seems to come within about 30 feet of the window that Rick is filming from. Here's that clip. It's going to believe me. It's the only one that will believe me. Damn phone. Hey, Becky G. Hey, Mike, I need you. Hey, can't hear you. 
Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? A little bit. Yeah. All right, you're not going to believe this. I got it on video now. People think I'm nuts. I got it's on video. It's playing right now. I, okay. I, I put the iPad in the window, and now this thing's coming up to the steps in my, in my backyard, Mike. It's like a weird, demonic-looking thing, and it's like a human, and it's all scratched down. This is the second time this happened this week, and as I'm talking to you, this is all I'm recorded, and it doesn't see me. I'm in that, you know, that sunroom. Uh -huh. All right, I put the I've been putting the iPad out. It's about around, and it happened. It's weird things been happening around this time at night. Can I record it? You're on record. It's everything's recording now. It's it's. It, I can see the thing. It's like looking around weird. It's a, recording the video. Yeah, right now it's on the video. It doesn't see me. I'm 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 sitting back, but I can still see out the window really good. You should can't see. Hear you? No, it can't. But it's looking around like something out of a weird sci-fi movie. This thing is freaky. Not a person. No, it's an evil identity. It's evil entity. This thing's like wicked looking. But I, it's a, a human form, though. You gotta wait until you see the video. I got it on video. Oh my God! It's like a gargoyle, man. Okay. I got it on. I got it on everything, and you're oh. and everything. Our me, the whole thing right now. It's the iPad's recording everything. Me, you, and this thing. And I'm a. I don't know. I should. What's the police gonna think? It's looking, oh my god, oh my gosh. Dude, this thing is weird. Just sure it's not somebody you should call the police? Yeah, no, it, it's, a, it's a demonic creature. It's not human. And it, and it goes back, it just went back. It went, dove back, it, it like, like wobbled back in. I can't even explain it. Went back in the weeds? Yeah, like it know it knows something's going on. I got it now. I got it on tape. Huh. Yeah, just pray. Wait until you see this thing, man. Mm -hmm. Just pray. I, I, this is really freaking me out because three nights ago, I'm laying on the couch. I heard something open the door and walk through the sunroom as I'm laying on the couch. Then as I woke up, it it was like gone. It was like it... Shot, shot back through real quick and I, and I know I heard the door oh my god there it is Mike it came back oh my gosh this thing is looking weird oh my gosh oh my gosh it, it knows something's going on man this thing is now that clip comes courtesy of Rick Grabenek and I highly encourage each of you to either hit up the show notes or simply YouTube search Evil Creature Caught on Tape by Rick Grebenek. G-R-E-B-E-N-I-K. And watch the full video. Now you might want to turn up your brightness all the way so you can get a really good look. At a certain point, Rick and his friend began to pray. And the creature it seems to react. But I'll save those details for the video. But like so many other subjects we cover on the show... The more we unearth, the more mysterious things seem to become. But just one more thing. I can't help but notice that these things began to show up around the same time that those full body suits did. You know what I'm talking about. 
Picture the green man from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but in the optional white. So is that a coincidence? Or are there pranksters out there accidentally creating cryptids? Thank you again, Ethan, for sharing that experience. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And that gut-wrenching score. That's co.ag. And before I duck out of here, I just want to take a quick second to thank everyone working in the medical field right now. Especially those on the front lines battling this terrible virus. And for the rest of you, even if it hasn't been ordered yet, please do the smart thing and stay home. I need all the listeners I can get. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. So do you guys remember that anonymous call from Iowa that kicked off the show? You know, the one that told of a tall man in a girl's summer camp cabin. Well, I happen to have an update, so please welcome back our anonymous caller from the state of Iowa. Hi, Monsters Among Us. I called earlier this morning. My story was the one about the Bible camp with somebody or something coming into my cabin in the night. This is so crazy, like so, so crazy. A few of my fellow staff members and I just went on a prayer walk all around camp. And I definitely forgot to mention in my first call that we are in Iowa and we are, our camp is on the Skunk River. And I remember in the first season of this podcast, there was a man who called in talking about like a Bigfoot sighting on the Skunk River or something along those lines. This is so weird. I can't believe this happened today after this call that I made. But yeah, we went down to the lagoon, which is just a little offlet from the Skunk River where we like let kids canoe and that kind of thing. And we were praying and it's like, it's kind of dark out, but there's enough light from the moon and enough light from some of our street lamps, like along our, our sidewalk that I can see pretty well down by the lagoon. And so we're standing on the edge of it and we're all praying over it, like just for protection, that kind of thing for the kids. And this weird like clicking sound. And at first I thought it was like some kind of frog or some kind of insect. But then I look up and I see in one awkward but convenient little clearing in the trees, right across the lagoon from where I'm standing, there is just a figure of a man. It didn't look like any kind of Bigfoot or anything that I've ever heard of, but 
it definitely looked like a person. It was just a very dark, shadowy figure that was definitely not supposed to be there. And I'm just so shocked that this happened the day that I called you. I just think that's absolutely insane and that I totally needed to <laughs> call you back and tell you about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit shaken right now. This happened like 20 minutes ago. I, I hope you enjoyed my weird double story. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks again, caller. The way I see it is this. We only have a handful of options here. One, this is some sort of coincidence. Maybe the girls fueled their own fear with made-up ghost stories, and our caller simply saw a man that was out for a walk. Or perhaps there is a man, the same man, stalking the camp, always in the shadows, watching, lurking, waiting. And then, of course, we must consider that the man is a ghostly entity, forced to roam the grounds of the camp for eternity. Then there is this final theory, and our caller even touched on it a bit. Could this quote-unquote man actually have been a Sasquatch? The girls mentioned that the man was wearing a long-sleeved brown shirt. Could they have mistaken hair for the shirt? They also mentioned the height of the man being above average. And our own caller's experience occurred at a water source near dusk. Prime time to see local wildlife. And, as our caller mentioned, this experience took place on the very first night. So let's say hypothetically, a Sasquatch-type creature took up residence in this area, realized he can get water from the spigot by simply walking into this unlocked barn, something it probably does nearly every night. Well, this night just so happened the cabin was suddenly filled with children. Now, I don't know if any of that's possible, but I will leave you with this little nugget of knowledge. Although Iowa isn't exactly the first state thought of when it comes to Bigfoot sightings, the state is no stranger to the big guy. According to the Bigfoot Field Research Organization, there have been 76 reports of the creature from that state. And get this, a majority of those reports occurring in the 21st century. So thank you again, caller, for sharing. And thank you for sticking around to the end of the show. Have a great night. <laughs>